0: Girlfriends, episode number 276, seven things to love about getting older. Hello, and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman, so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about reasons to love getting older. Is that possible? Indeed, it is. I can't wait to share these thoughts with you. Let's get started. Hello, girlfriends. Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. So happy you are joining me here today. If this is your first time listening, I want to give you a special welcome. If you're a sometimes or all the time listener, thank you too for being here. I'm so grateful for your presence here. You're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast, so you have been prayed for. I always pray for my listeners before I begin recording, and you have been prayed for this week. So thank you for being here. I'm grateful for you being part of the Girlfriends community. So this week, we are talking about things to love about getting older. And this is on my mind because actually, the day that I am recording this, June 8th, is my birthday. I am turning 49 today. And you know, I always have had a very easy relationship with my age. I'm not sure what the reason is for that, but I fully embraced my 30s, my 40s, and now I'm looking and saying, oh my gosh, 50s are right there. And yeah, it feels different when you step into a new decade. I do remember distinctly when I turned 30 that all of a sudden I felt very much more grown up and my own person just because I had a three at the start of my age, which is silly because I already had like five kids at the time. So I should have felt like my own person. But I I do remember that feeling of just feeling like I was more mature, I was more my own person. I didn't have to so much worry about what my parents would think about decisions we might make together as a family that would be different from their decisions and not about anything bad, but just the idea of kind of owning your life in a way. And I do remember that kind of being a shift right around that time that I turned 30. And you know, I always felt that our culture, especially with women, and we've talked about this before on the podcast here, our culture tells women that they need to feel bad about growing older. So I want to do this show, talk about seven things to love about getting older to kind of counterbalance that, just set that off a little bit, because I think it's really an unfair and sexist thing in our culture. Yeah, they, our culture tells everybody they should be ashamed of growing older. They should fight it and they should you know, cover it up and have surgery to fix it and whatever. But there are so many positive things about growing up and getting older. There are so many things about my early 20s that I wouldn't go back to I just wouldn't. I feel like I've come come a long way, right? So I want to share some of that a little bit with you. And, you know, but let's let's first of all talk about the reality that, yeah, we have mixed feelings about growing older. We have mixed feelings about the changes in our bodies. Sometimes you might experience health issues as a result of growing older. For sure, your appearance changes. You might put on weight. You might have saggier skin. You know, it's really funny. I was looking in the mirror one day, I don't know, sometime in the past couple of months, and i realized like the skin on the side of my face sags down more and i was like pushing it up like oh look look it looks it looks so much better if like i just hold it up like eight like if i just lift my face <laughs> I realized I was thinking. Oh, facelift. Hmm, interesting. Um, no, not signing up for that anytime soon. But, you know, noticing those things and not feeling like they're a hundred percent awesome is totally normal. It's totally fine to feel that way. I'm not here to tell you that, you know, saggy skin and wrinkles are, are fantastic. But it is part of the natural process of growing older. It is part of who God means for us to become as we grow older. And that doesn't mean don't take care of yourself. I'm all about taking care of yourself, eating well, exercising in ways that are appropriate as we age. And there's so much that we can do. I'm amazed here that now I'm 49 and probably 20 years ago, I would have told you like, Oh like 49 is so old you you can't possibly like go running or lift weights or anything when you're that age. But I'm I'm doing those things and it feels perfectly doable perfectly normal, very healthy. And I anticipate doing those for many, many years to come. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the strengths of getting older. And, you know, let's let's answer back to that part of our culture that tells us that we need to feel bad about growing older. Let, let's focus on some of the positive things. So I'm just going to share my own personal perspective on these things in the hopes that it can help you, whether you're dreading growing older and you're you're young right now, or whether you are growing older in some ways and and um, kind of have mixed feelings about that process. I want to help you to see these things in a positive light. The first thing that I love about getting older is that I know some things now. I figured some stuff out. And you can call it wisdom. I don't know. You can call it just know-how. I call it life experience. And it's extremely valuable. So I I realize, um, you know I, know, I know some things about parenting. I know some things about human relationships. I have been amazed in recent years, I would say like in the past 10 years to find myself at various times, like in a group of women or a group of friends or at a social gathering that all of a sudden, I'm the person in the conversation that has the most experience, whether we're talking about potty training or sending kids to college or, you know, whatever, inside of parenting, especially. I've been amazed at sometimes I'll never forget the first time it happened at a women's group where we were sitting around talking, I think it was about homeschooling or something, and all of a sudden I realized everyone was turning to me for my answer on something. And I was like, Oh what? I'm supposed to have figured this out. And yet I do have some things figured out, not perfectly, and and mostly it's been a process of learning what works for our family. And that's something that each person needs to do for themselves. But there are things that I've come to know inside of motherhood, inside of marriage. A lot of them I share here on the podcast. But then also, this is something that I've come to realize on a professional level as well. I realized very recently, I was asked for my opinion about something. I was asked to consult for a, a company and kind of arrange a, a contract and a relationship between two different companies inside of Catholic Media. And I realized in that, that I was very naturally seeing good things and how to how to put them together. Um, this is something that I've done, you know, professionally for in a long time. I mean, I've been working in Catholic Media for a long time, but I don't often enough take a moment and pause and think, oh, I I know some of this stuff. I have some experience here that can be valuable to other people. And that was kind of an interesting moment for me personally, but also professionally. Like, I I do have something to offer here. I do have experience in in this field, and it can be used for for the good. It can be used for the good for other people in their work. It can be used for the good, uh, just building up the church inside of uh, Catholic media as as a world. And um, that was a that was a great feeling to know that you can't just be born with that. You have to experience things. You have to experience, you know, years of working in some capacity inside of various fields to to learn these things and and you know media and writing and publishing may not be your field of expertise but whether it's your motherhood that you're you're gaining knowledge about or marriage that you're gaining knowledge about or friendships or parenting or teaching or whatever your your field of work is we gain experience and knowledge when we become sort of the the veterans in the field, the ones with experience. And that cannot be bought. That cannot be created in any other way than just putting in the time, having that experience. And no, it doesn't mean I've got everything perfectly figured out, but I can appreciate some of the things that I do know, some of the things I do have figured out, at least for my own marriage, my own parenting, my own uh, professional experience. So I know some things and that, that feels really good. And that can only happen when you're an older person, when you have put in some time like that. Okay. So the, the second thing I want to mention that I love about getting older is that I'm comfortable Okay, I already mentioned I'm not always comfortable with some of the physical changes of aging, but I am so comfortable in in some places where I previously wasn't. So, like we said, in motherhood. I was so uncomfortable in my early motherhood, so anxious about so many things, didn't know how to do so many things, was completely insecure and just worried about many things even inside of friendships. And I find that there's no replacement for just years of experience in those things. But then also another result of it is that you just become comfortable with who you are. I've become comfortable in ways that I can say like, that's not going to work for me or That's, that's something I I'm never going to do. And I can be okay with that. Where previously, when I was less experienced as a mom, especially, every new thing was sort of a challenge to me was sort of a threat to me. Like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? This person's doing this? Should I be doing that? And I've become comfortable enough in knowing who I am, what my gifts and strengths are, what my my vocation is. I don't know it all perfectly. And I probably won't have it all figured out perfectly before heaven. But I've come to know things and I've come to know myself and become comfortable with myself, become comfortable saying, this is, this is me. This is what I'm good at. Here's something I'm not good at. Here's something I don't want to do. Don't ever want to do perhaps. And just becoming comfortable on that level of knowing who you are. And there's really no way to get there other than just living your life and becoming who you are, just the experience of sometimes trying things that are not a good fit for you. And it's very much a part of the process. I'm not speaking to anybody who's younger right now and saying you should be here right now. You should be this level of comfortable with who you are, because you're very much still figuring it out. That's a natural part of the process. You know, when um, I wrote my book, Whisper, my, my newest book that's available from Ascension Press, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, part of what I was sharing there is a perspective on my relationship with God, a comfort that I've come to, a comfort level that I've come to, that is born of where I am at this stage in life. And I couldn't have been there when I was younger. And I don't want the book to read as an admonishment of anybody who's in a different place in their life, who still is, you know, younger, has little kids, going very fast and very hard. That's a normal part of sort of the cycle of your life, of that stage of your motherhood, that stage of your life, your marriage, your family life right now. Um, So I'm not telling you that you need to be that level of comfortable, but it really is a gift to become more comfortable, to know who you are, more fully, and to be okay with it. And you come to like some things about yourself. You come to appreciate some things about yourself. You come to realize some things that are, are strengths of yours and gifts that you have to offer that previously you maybe didn't recognize or didn't value because they weren't the ones you were chasing after, the ones that were you were distracted by the gifts that others have, or the strengths that others have, or trying to become something that you're not. And it really is a gift to reach that level of comfort with who you are, and knowing what God's plan is for you, at least to to a greater extent, so that you can be comfortable in your own skin. What a gift that is. You know, I shared that when I turned 30, it was a first step, a first stage in that becoming more comfortable in my own skin. I realized that even though I got married in my early 20s, started a family right away, had a bunch of little kids, that I still very much was figuring out who I was just just as a human being as a wife and especially as a mom i was still very much figuring out what that was and who i was inside of it so that's a natural part of that stage of life but then you can begin to see ways in which you can embrace who you are you come to know who you are better and become more comfortable in your own skin in that way and that is such a gift knowing yourself and being comfortable with yourself is such a gift when you're making choices when you're making decisions about your work about your relationships like, I can know things now that that will never be for me, and I'm okay with that. It doesn't cause me any level of anxiety to know that God calls somebody to something that's very different from my own life, and it's not meant for me. I know, I know that. And But also, equally, on the other side of that, knowing the things I am called to and being comfortable fully stepping into those, fully embracing that role, the, whatever it is that God is calling me to do, the next thing, really is a gift to find a level of comfort in all of that. And it takes, it takes time and it takes aging to get there. So that's one of the gifts I, I find of growing older. All right. The next thing I want to mention that I love about getting older is that I am more patient. Just a natural result of spending more time here on earth, more life experience. I see the long game a little bit more. I can see how things turn out. I have some experience with things. I can see patterns of things. I can be comfortable not sweating some of the small stuff, which let me tell you, I sweated. Sweated? Is it sweat or sweated? I'm not sure. But I did a lot of that over the small stuff early in my parenting, early in my work, early in my marriage. There's so much that you don't know about how it doesn't matter in the long term. Having a little bit of perspective, a little bit more seeing the big picture I don't see it all perfectly yet, but I am closer. I can see in a lot of ways now at this stage in in my parenting, I can look back and I can see how big things in, in the investment that we made in our kids, whether it was through homeschooling or discipline or the family culture that we've built here, I can see how those things are paying off. I can see that now. I can see the work paying off in some really beautiful ways inside the lives of my bigger kids. And I can see the stuff that didn't matter stuff that kept me up awake at night, worrying with anxiety and fear about the future. I can see how much some of that stuff didn't matter. And that helps give me perspective right now. It helps me to be patient with myself. It helps me to be patient with other people. It helps me to be patient with a very bad experience. Sometimes you can go through something very hard, but having the perspective that this is not going to last forever is such a beautiful gift. I've shared this before when we talked about parenting teens, how, you know, when my my first kids were becoming teenagers and we experienced different kinds of conflict with them and worries over them and kind of a rift and some, you know, some difficult times in our relationship with them, how very personally I took it. And that was that was devastating to me because here was my precious child that I had this this close bond with and I had poured my very self into them, loved them so much, and then feeling like there was a rift there that there was conflict now, which is a natural part of them growing older and figuring out who they are. Um, seeing that in that moment, that caused me so much anxiety and grief in the moment. But now that we're at this stage where our youngest kids are now teenagers, and we might experience some of those very same things, which are no fun in the moment. I'm not, not going to lie about that. They're no fun in the moment, but I can have a better perspective on it. I can see what matters, what doesn't. I can have a little bit of patience there with enduring something that's uncomfortable, something that's unpleasant, because I can see the bigger picture that we're we're trying to get through to the other side of this thing. And that this is not forever. This doesn't mean we failed. This doesn't mean, you know, throw it all away this relationship. What it means is this is just a natural part of our fallen world that we have to experience some of these things. Sometimes we have to go through some of these stages of parenting with some of our kids. And as unpleasant as that might be, as uncomfortable as it might make us in the moment. And, you know, this applies to everything. Our relationships with other people, our our marriages, that we come to see the bigger picture and we can we can learn like some of the little stuff that doesn't matter. And it doesn't make some of the little unpleasant stuff any more fun to go through, but it gives you a patience with the process that I didn't previously have. So for sure, that's um, something I've learned to work with. I've learned to see things a little bit with that larger perspective that makes all the difference. Because when you don't have that larger perspective, when you're caught up in all the little details of something negative that's going on, whether it's in your relationship with one of your kids, in your relationship with your husband, in your work, whatever it is, that that it's devastating because it feels like this is all there is and it's a failure. So let's throw it all away. But having a little bit of that experience of going through that, whether it's a conflict in your marriage that you've, you've learned to work through. And then when you have another conflict, you can have that the benefit of that experience and say, you know what, we've worked through stuff before. And you know the bigger picture is we love each other and we're going to see each other through this. We're going to figure out a way to resolve this conflict and figure out a way to communicate with each other. Same applies with your kids. Same applies with your work. I look back now on some work situations early on in my my work in publishing that I you know I worked for magazines that like went broke that were bought were sold there was so much tension and conflict and stress inside of those things but I can look back now and I can I can see that I very much was um, when I was younger personally involved in so much of that and took on so much of the stress of that. But after you've kind of gone through a little bit of work experience, you've seen, you know, businesses shift and change. You've seen people come and go. You've had different kinds of bosses and different kinds of work situations. It gives you a broader perspective that truly is a gift because it gives you patience in whatever conflict you might face inside of your work, or um, inside of even a friendship with somebody. Once you've experienced that, and kind of come through to the other side of it, and then repeat, and then repeat, and you begin to see like, this is how the world works sometimes. And this is part of the process. And it gives you patience with that. And that truly is a gift in the moment, because it gives you a peace about it. Even though you might not like your current circumstances, you might not like a stage you're going through in parenting one of your kids, or you might not like what you're going through in your marriage right now, you can have more of a peace about it and a patience with the process. You can see the bigger picture. All right, that brings me to my next point about what I love about getting older, and that's your marriage. I love my marriage right now. I, I've loved my marriage for all of the 26. 20- Seven years. Yeah, it's almost 27 years that Dan and I have been married. But we have grown and changed so much through the years. And I feel like we've never been better. And I'm looking forward to the ways in which we're going to grow and grow closer to each other, grow, grow closer to God in the years to come. And, you know, I can look back now, like I was just sharing it, <clears throat> some of the hard times that we've gone through and realize just how devastating they were to me in a very personal way, in a way that I felt like I was an epic failure, that we were an epic failure, that this whole thing had been a colossal mistake. You know, every marriage goes through times like that. And I can look back on them now and see that you know that's just that's just part of the deal. You're going to go through sometimes like that, and so now when I experience and anything you know any similar kinds of negativity in our relationship, I have the gift of perspective that helps me to see what a joy. What a blessing, what a gift my marriage is, what a gift my husband is to me. I feel like I can see those things and appreciate them so much more than I did when I was younger and I had less experience. So what a tremendous gift that is. My marriage has never been better and it's not there yet. I I I am also very much aware of the gift of the time that lies ahead that I know we can be even better and I know that we can grow closer but my experience thus far teaches me that that's possible it gives me the hope of the future it gives me great hope and great joy as I as I look forward to the future with my husband and whatever God has planned for us um so honestly I, there were times when we were younger, that we we hurt each other. We, you know, we were impatient with each other. We just didn't have the gift of that broader perspective that can only come with time. And so my marriage is a huge gift to me, is a huge blessing to me in a way that I didn't fully recognize when I was younger. So appreciating my marriage for what it is and having, um, more of that perspective as I approach my relationship with Dan, as we enjoy our time together, as we live and learn and love and pray together. It is such a beautiful gift to me to be able to know my marriage for the gift that it is. What a blessing that is. So my marriage is definitely one of the things that I love about getting older. All right, next, my relationship with my grown-up kids. It's a beautiful part of growing older. You can't have grown up kids unless you grow older. It's part of the deal. So I have found, and I shared a lot of this inside of my recent book with Ave Maria Press, Giving Thanks and Letting Go, Reflections on the Gift of Motherhood. I shared a lot about my perspective now as a mom of older kids and in a growing up family, in an empty-ing nest. You know, the nest isn't empty yet, but I can see where it's going. And a lot of what I shared inside of that book was the beautiful opportunity that we have to grow and change in our relationship with our kids as they get older. So when your kid is a teenager, everyone tells you like, you know, you're not being a good parent if you're trying to be their friend. Don't try to be their friend. And that makes a ton of sense because you're not their peer and you should not try to be their friend. But one of the beautiful gifts of motherhood at this stage Is that I found with my young adult children, my kids are my friends. I like just being with these human beings. I like hanging out with them. We do fun things together. And of course, they're still my kids, but they're not my kids that I'm responsible for. They're becoming responsible for themselves. They're not my kids that I'm still disciplining. They are their own people making their own decisions. So, they've become that source of blessing for me. The fact that they're older now and I can have a more grown-up relationship with them. And there's a, a lot about that that you kind of grow into as a parent. And it's it's hard to even explain to people, you know, if you're still wrangling toddlers, that must feel worlds and worlds away. And yeah, I'm here to tell you that it's truly not. And the time that you're putting in now, the investment that you're putting in now, I can look back and see the ways that it is paying off in the lives of my young adult children. Not with perfection. I'm not saying we did it all perfectly, but in the same way that you are experiencing the sacrificial love of parenting young kids, it's hard. It's just nonstop pouring out of yourself, nonstop investment. I can see now some of the ways that that is paying off, some of the beautiful blessings that my young adult kids have become to us, but then also to the world at large, to the people that they're marrying, to the people they're working with, to the things that they're doing in the world and in the church. It's a beautiful blessing to be able to experience that. And you can't experience that as a 20-something. You have to be a 40, 50-something to experience that. So your kids are a blessing to you every stage of parenting, but especially inside of this stage of life, I'm really appreciating it, really appreciating the way that my relationship with each of my kids is growing and changing, becoming something new. And um, in a way that I never could have anticipated, I've really appreciated my relationship with my grown-up kids. So something to look forward to if, if you're not quite there yet, but also something to appreciate if you're right here with me at age 49. All right. Next thing that I love about growing older is that I'm more compassionate. I've always been um, an empathetic person, I think, but in my younger years, I sort of had a black and white view of things like the right way and the wrong way. And yes, some things about right and wrong, are black and white, don't get me wrong. But inside of parenting decisions, schooling decisions, things, um, working decisions, you know, whether you're going to work or not, all of those things, I think sometimes out of a sense of insecurity when we're younger, we want to see those things as black and white. We want to say there's one right way to nurse a baby or educate your kids. And we want to we think there's one right way and that we are doing it. <laughs> and there's there's comfort in that, right? In in feeding yourself and others that lie, there's comfort in that because it's just so important to us. I get the motivation and I know that I fell prey to that a, a lot of the time in my younger years. That, But the unfortunate consequence of that is it's very limiting in what you're open to. And it affects your relationship with other people. It affects your ability to be a compassionate human being to people who might do otherwise. If you're, if you're thinking that way in those black and white terms with regard to some of these decisions that there's no one right way, you know, if the church doesn't have um, an incontrovertible teaching on it, then there is no one right way. And for so many of these decisions we make as parents, the church does not tell us what to do. There's, you know, there are lots of, it leaves it open to our own discretion, to our own life circumstances, to what we would choose, to our wisdom. And um, it. I know when you're younger, there's a lot of comfort in thinking there's one right way and we are doing it. Like you kind of have that insecurity about your own decisions. So you kind of need that. I get it. And I I can look back and I can see that I was that way in a lot of ways. But then that leads you to judging other people. You know, you see somebody whose grown kids might go astray, might go, might leave the faith or um, make bad decisions or someone whose marriage falls apart or, you know, fill in the blank with whatever you think it is that will never happen to you because you're doing things all the right way. And life has a way of teaching you that whether it's things that happen to you, things that you never anticipated having happened to you, circumstances you're presented with that you never anticipated having to face, decisions you never thought you'd have to make, um, trials that you never thought you'd have to face, Or it's through people that you love, I've experienced this many times, where people that I love and respect and admire, and I can see how hard they're working and how faithful they are, and yet X, Y, or Z happens to them anyway, that life teaches you that there is no one right way. And here's the more important part, there are no guarantees. We want to guarantee that if we do X, Y is going to be the result. But there's no guarantee like that. There's no magic formula for Catholic family life. There's no magic formula for living out your Catholic faith to get, you know, the end result of faithful kids, happy marriage, whatever it is. And yet we want that guarantee because there's a lot of security in that. But the world doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. And um, you know, so when you 're younger I, I think it's natural and and I know i I certainly did this i I always think back and think goodness i i'm so glad there wasn 't social media back when I first was a mom, so my oldest was born in ninety five and yeah, the internet existed, but it wasn't it wasn't a thing, and for sure there wasn 't social media. I think I just probably would have been obnoxious, like telling everybody the you know the one right way to do everything you know, I, I read all the parenting books and I really thought I was an expert in so many things before I ever even had our first kid. But I can see now and, and life has taught me now that there are many good things and many good choices you can make. And I'm I'm not belittling any of them. I'm not even belittling the importance of them, you know, really weighing these decisions and deciding prayerfully together with your husband, how you're going to educate your kids or how you're going to raise your kids, how you're going to discipline your kids or, you know, where your kids will sleep at night and all of that. It's it's important, but it, it's also flexible. There's a lot of room there. And life has taught me when I've been forced to make decisions I never thought I would have to make, when I've been forced to make compromises in what I thought was the ideal. But, um, you know, life has taught me to to let go of some of those things. And it's given me the gift of compassion being a more compassionate person. I feel like I can see people make decisions I would never make. I can see people make even, you know, just objectively maybe wrong decisions. And I can see people making very faithful decisions and doing all the right things and not having it work out the way they want to. And so my life experience at this stage has given me greater compassion toward my fellow human beings, especially moms who might be struggling. Moms who might be struggling even in those early years, struggling with that level of insecurity that I described or anxiety that I described, or you know, moms who are seeing things not go the way they planned and, and feeling disillusioned or discouraged at the sight of that. So I'm, I've learned a lot of times to withhold judgment and I've learned to be more compassionate and welcoming of even people doing things very differently from the way that I would do them learning to not see everything in such a black and white way right and wrong way and like i said for sure there are there are things that are wrong and there are things that are right but um just going by church teaching is a great guide like does the church tell you how to do x y or z with specificity if not then there is no specific one right way and you need to figure out what's going to work for you and for your family All right, the last thing I want to mention that I love about getting older, and this is all tied in with my new book, Whisper, is I know God more. I've come to appreciate this stage of my life because I feel like all of the things that I've been talking about, all of these life experiences that have given me greater patience, more knowledge, more wisdom, more compassion, they all have been a part of how I've come to know God more. How I've come to grow closer to God in ways that were impossible for me when I was younger, that there are some ways in which I'm now able to connect with God through prayer, yes, but also through everyday life experiences. Seeing and knowing Him in ordinary things in my ordinary day is exactly what I have tried to share in the pages of my new book, Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday looking at the different ways that God is present to us, looking at the different ways that at this stage of my life, I am more able, because of life experience, but also because of life circumstances, where I am at this stage in my motherhood, in my work life, in my marriage, that I am more able to be still, to find quiet, even if I'm very busy, even if I'm doing many things, just an interior level of peace and connection with God is possible for me now in a way that wasn't, just wasn't possible when I was younger. So like I said, I am not judging anybody who's at a different stage in life. I am hoping to give you hope and encouragement for what can lie ahead. I am hoping to counterbalance some of the negativity about aging that kind of saturates our culture, especially with women with regard to growing older. We tend to focus on the negatives and what we might be losing. And yet there's so much that's positive, so much that we have to look forward to. So those are my seven things that I have come to love about growing older now that I'm here at the age of 49. So just to recap, I know some things now. I have greater knowledge in some areas. I'm more comfortable. I'm more patient. I love my marriage the way that it is right now. I love my relationship with my grown-up kids. I'm more compassionate, and I can know God more. I can be closer to God in ways that were not possible when I was much younger. But, I would love your feedback. I'd love to know the ways that you appreciate growing older. What is your perspective on it? What do you say to a culture that tells you you should dread get growing older or you're becoming less and less a valuable member of society as you age? I'd love to hear from you, your feedback, your thoughts on this topic, or any others you'd like for me to take up here on the podcast you can email me danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is in the show notes at ascensionpress.com. Or connect with me on social media, especially Instagram. I am Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I would love to connect with you there as well. All right, coming up, we've got some more of the show for you. But first, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it, but what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an Activated Disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back. All right, we're at the point in the show where I usually share a listener question or some listener feedback. But for the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a mini Whisper book club here in this space. So just going to be going through chapters of my new book available from Ascension. If you're not familiar with it, the title is Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. And it's a book like I shared in the first segment of this show, It's a book where I'm sharing about the different ways that I am growing and learning to connect with God in new ways. I'm learning to appreciate God's presence in new ways at this stage of my life. And I'm just sharing stories from my own life about ways that I'm able to do that, ways that I struggle to do that in the hopes of encouraging you to see God's presence in these ways in your own life, in your own stories. So, in the coming weeks, I'm just going to be going through in this segment of the show, real quick, you know, five minutes here. I'm just going to look at each of the different chapters. Of Whisper and give you a a feel for some of the content there. So, we're going to start with chapter one. And chapter one in Whisper is called Breaking Boundaries Encountering God in Other People. So, here in this chapter, I open by sharing a story about a woman that I met at a social gathering who was a little bit off. You know, she—I think—had mental health issues. She was dressed funny. She, you know, looked unkempt, and um, socially she was very odd. She latched onto me in conversation at this at this event where I was very much looking forward to connecting with one of my friends, and that became impossible because this woman was kind of latched onto me and and talking to me really wanted my my attention, and I struggled with that. You know, I I went through that experience, and then afterwards, as I was reflecting on it. I realized the challenge to myself there that God was challenging me through this experience with this person and my discomfort with it my discomfort level with interacting with that person or my my longing to have connected with my friend instead in you know a, a way that I was familiar and comfortable with was challenging me to see that I still tend to put people into categories of worthy and unworthy people who are like me and people who are not like me. And that God challenges us to see his presence in every human person. You know, that that gospel passage where Jesus tells the story of, you know, then, then the king will say to them, as often as you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. Or as often as you didn't do it to the least of these, you did it for me. Jesus could not be more clear that we meet God in other people and he says the least of these. So that means those people that we are tempted to put in that category as unworthy of our time and attention. You know, we can feel really good about the ways that we we love our family. And oh, yes, I see the presence of God in my children as I serve them, in my husband or in my co-workers in the workplace. and And honestly, that can be challenging enough on any given day, that is challenging enough whether you're dealing with a, a toddler who's giving you a hard time at mass or a teenager who's rolling her eyes at you or a coworker who's being rude or a husband who's not in a good mood, whatever it is, you know, that is challenging enough. Seeing God and meeting God and loving God in the people that he places in our lives is challenging. But in sharing this story in whisper, I wanted to encourage you to look at other people in your life, people that you might still be tempted to put into that category as unworthy because they're different, because they make you uncomfortable, because they're rude, because they're a jerk. You know, I shared another story inside the chapter of a person who sent me a nasty, angry email just out of the blue, inexplicably angry and threatening and vulgar and horrible, and how jarring that was for me. And yet, inside of that moment, I felt that God was calling me to see that he is present in every human being, even somebody who behaves like that, even somebody that we think is being very unfair to us. He's challenging us to see his presence, to see each and every person as the least of these. That's who God is referring to. It might be a random person that you, you run into you know, in traffic, or it might be somebody that's a, an acquaintance of yours that's gossiping about you, or a coworker who does something very unfair or... Any of the above. And, you know, I think the temptation is in those moments to be like, well, they're not being fair or they're being rude or this is unjust. And yet God is challenging us to see every human being we come into contact with as his precious child, as his precious beloved son or daughter, and to treat them like that, to recognize that they're made in the image and likeness of God. Every human being is even when they're not being fair, even when something's unjust, even when they're rude. And that's really a challenge for all of us. Or, you know, even when they make us uncomfortable, like the the woman who I met at that social gathering, that he is challenging us to see his presence in the everyday people he places in our everyday lives. So, um, you know, sometimes we think that God's will needs to be complicated, and that it needs to be fancy. And, you know, we think like this This right now, this little moment that I'm having right now in in my home or in my relationship with my kids or in my workplace, like this can't possibly be God's will for me. But yes, it is. God is speaking His will to you through the people that He places in your life for you to love. And the people that He has placed in your life for you to love are the people in your life, because He's calling on you to love every human being that you come into contact with. And that's the ongoing challenge. So inside of this first chapter in Whisper, I share some of my my, my trials, my struggles, my challenges in seeing other people as children of God, seeing other people as made in the image and likeness of God, and learning to see God's presence there, learning to love God through other people, seeing Him and experiencing Him there, and you know, coming to see Him there in the same way that St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta would see people in the least of these, the, would see God's presence in those people. You know, you may not be working on the streets of Calcutta, but who are the least of these in your life? Who comes to mind? Who might you run into today that you'd be tempted to dismiss as not worthy of your time or attention? Who are the people in your life that cause you to struggle? Who are the people in your life that are are challenging for you? Who are the people in your life that you try to avoid? Who are the people in your life that God is calling on you to love? to see His presence in them, to see their dignity, to see that they're made in the image and likeness of God, and to love them accordingly. So that's the challenge in my first chapter, um, Breaking Boundaries, Encountering God and Other People. So that's just the first chapter in Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. In the coming weeks, we're going to be using this this section of the podcast to go through chapter by chapter just so I can share with you a little bit of the content that I have in Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday. But I am looking forward to hearing from you as you're receiving your copies. I know copies are shipping now. If you have your copy, let me know what your response is. I love this stage of getting a book out there because as a writer, you you put all the work in, you put all the effort in just months and months and months before it actually reaches people. So by the time the book is published, people are actually reading it. It, it's been something I've been away from for for some time, and so I'm loving diving back into these topics and hearing from people that are reading the book and um, sharing their own thoughts and perspectives on each of these. So if you have a copy of the book, let me know what your experience is, especially with regard to this first chapter this week. How are you encountering God in other people? How is God challenging you today to see Him, to know him, and to love him through the people that He places in your life? And if you don't have your copy, now's your chance to do that. You can get your copy at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. I would love to be able to connect with you through the pages of this book. And finally, I want to mention the playlist. So there's a free p- playlist that accompanies the book. So if you have a copy of the book or if you're thinking about getting a copy of the book, get the playlist too, because it's a great way to spend a little time in reflection, in prayer. It's a collection of songs that I put together on Spotify that I feel are a good reflection of many of the themes in the book, Whisper. And I enjoy listening to it myself. And I would love to be able to share this collection of music with you. You can get it for free. If you text the word whisper to 33777, you'll get a link to that Spotify playlist. Check it out. And then once you get the playlist, Let me know what songs you would add to it, because I'm thinking about making an additional one, a second Whisper playlist made up of your suggestions, the songs that you think would uh, speak to the themes inside of this book. And that's all the time we have for now. But I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for all the ways you connect with me through the podcast. The fact that you show up, that you share a little bit of your time here with me each week is so encouraging. And I am so grateful for that. And until next time, know that I'm going to be praying for you. And I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends, it's a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.